everyone. Welcome along to the September episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Since we last did a podcast, we've got a new monarch, we've got a new prime minister, and there's probably no surprise we've got a new Watford manager. And who knows, by the time this goes out, there might even be another one in place, such as the uh, speed that they sack them with. I'm Kev, as always. Uh, this month, I've got James and Tony uh, with me. Gents, how are you both? Good. Oh, ever seeing your good. faces. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you're lying there, but we'll um, mm, on Zoom. That one. Yeah, absolutely. We are on Zoom uh, this month, so if there are one or two gremlins in the sound, that is the reason why there's an illness or two in the camp that we're looking to protect. Um, it's been a pretty decent month on the football pitch, actually, James. Um, probably haven't got as much as we deserved, much like the first month of the season. Uh, we might as well hit straight straight off with that first game against Sheffield United because it was a perfect case in question. Absolutely dominated the game for 45 minutes. How we only went in 1-0 up, I've absolutely no idea. And you just knew the sucker punch was coming. And when you, when you consider it was McBurney who scored it, it was a hell of a sucker punch. Oh, robbed. Um, they were offside in that. And there was a foul in the build-up as well. It's just, you know, the... F- one of many ridiculous refereeing decisions that you've you've got, had this season had to enjoy at Kenilworth Road, and that one, you know, Rob Luton and three points to deserve three points against, you know, the league leaders or you know I expect them to be what number one or two in the division coming into the, the season. So, um, yeah, it was a really positive performance, and um, yeah, it's just a sour taste, isn't it, of that? But, but let, let's be honest, they should score more, really. Yeah, they they have to start capitalising when they're up and and putting putting the pressure on teams. They have to score more goals, and um, uh, it didn't happen, um, which was a shame because the goal that did come from from Morris was a stunner. As many of them have been, as we'll get on to uh, a little later in the podcast. As I should have mentioned, he and Tom Lockyer are our player focuses for this month, and I'll also get the view from inside the camp. Uh, with a chat from Alan Campbell, which is coming up shortly. Um, Tony, that Sheffield United game, how did you reflect on that? I guess the fact that it was um, so soon after that sort of um, Bristol City debacle, although we'd already won at Swansea since then, it just built um, more confidence, really. Yeah, it was disappointing in, in the fact that the officials let us down again. Um, I'm just wondering where they get them from because they seem to be getting progressively worse as time goes on. Um, for their equaliser, I was dead in line with it where I sit in the main stand. And it was a clear offside decision. How the linesman missed that, I just I just do not know. But it was in, an encouraging performance. Um, it, in our own way it was our own fault because we're not taking our chances but on the positive side at least we're creating those chances and it was just a matter of time before we started scoring goals and as you said with Morris he got a cracking goal in that game and he's been on fire ever since yeah yeah he certainly has um that is for sure um we followed that up with uh a trip to well the the last trip down the m4 it's kind of our um Happy hunting place, isn't it? Now Wales, we, you know, when Wales is on the fixture list, it's, it's almost an automatic loot and win these days. James, two-one uh, away to Cardiff. Um, Alan Campbell opened the scoring, and um, Gabe Osho. Um, well, they were queuing up to put a. Uh, uh, sorry, Carlton Morris scored the 
second one in that game, looking at the wrong game. Um, late consolation from them. But what did you make of that one? Oh, I was right. Gabe Oshio um, queuing up at the at the back stick there. F- final answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Gabe Oshio. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, one, wonderful re- sort of return for him. He's been out for a little while. Um, but yeah, it's all about the little scuffle on it. There's a game between Morrison and and uh, and Jones. Who are you? Help. Who are you? Well, I don't know what. Well, well now, who is he? He's not even Cardiff manager anymore, is he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, then, and then, who are you? And, I'm somebody who's in a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were sniffing around to get Jones, weren't they? But yeah, I think that one's probably going to be a bit pie in the sky. I think that was very much lazy journalism during an international break, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Oh, he's Welsh. He supports Cardiff. He man for the job. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I they're, think they, a, they're a basket case club, aren't they? Really? Why would you want to try to swap that? They sort out. Well, he's been to one basket uh, yeah. case of a club, so um, hopefully he's learnt that not not to go back to another one. And I apologise to Luke Freeman. It was Luke Freeman who opened the scoring in that game, not Alan Campbell. Um, Campbell obviously scored at Swansea rather than Cardiff. That um, goal actually was kind of a good goal, wasn't it? Because um, we were. It was a nothing game in the first half, but then in the second half. Um, Freeman, Freeman opened the score and I thought he was going to kick on but he hasn't really done that he showed flashes I think um, but he'll have to at the minute that, that midfield three are doing the business and if one of them sort of dips then the other one steps up a bit but uh, you know Lansbury's come into the picture of, of just before the international break and obviously Pelly's had a few practice games now although we all know that Pelly, when he's unfit and just coming back, <laughs> uh, can't trap a bag of sand. But so hopefully that changes the fact that he's got these practice games. But when he when he comes back and when he's firing, he, he doesn't have to make a difference to the midfield. So there will be options there, won't there, when he comes back. And obviously that competition aspect. So if any of them aren't quite uh, putting up trees, then then there's other players who come in. But um, you know, it was it, it, it was been it's been fairly useful. Uh, I thought um, in the early part of the season, um, but you know the amount of running they have to do, and he's no spring chicken anymore, is he? So um, he probably needs a bit of a rest here and there. Yeah, that's probably a bit harsh from my point of view on Freeman. He might just be a um, victim of what's happened behind him rather than anything that he's done in terms of needing some protection in front of that defence. Uh, one person who doesn't need protection, um, Tony, is James Bree. He put a cracking ball over for the second goal in that game. I mean, five of them were queuing up to put the ball in the back of the net. Gabe Osho won the race, but uh, some of his deliveries, not just in that game, but in games since, have been incredible. Yeah, they they are. They are. I mean, he, he, with his crosses, he's become Mr. Reliable. I mean, yeah, you, you have the odd one or two wayward ones, but... I think uh, Carlton Morris said it in that interview you did with him, Kev, that he's the best crosser of a ball he's ever played with. And uh, as long as uh, James Bury can keep doing that and giving that sort of delivery, with the forwards we've got, um, we'll score goals. And it's only going to be a matter of time before, you know, Elijah scores as well. So we're turning in good performances. Um, We're looking good with our approach play. The, The only area I think that has been a problem is that defensive midfield role because you know when we haven't got uh, the player to to fill in that role we've looked very vulnerable there Um, 
you know, and the best one I've seen so far this season in that role is Henry Lansbury. Um, you know, so the sooner the better Pelly is back as well. So, you know, that, that'll be good. But it, it is looking good for us and, and we've been playing well. But as you say, we're not getting the points that we deserve. No, we didn't get the points that we deserved in the following game, James, at home to Wigan. Another game that we dominated for 80 minutes, really, and should have been a lot more than 1-0 up. But whenever you're only 1-0 up, you're always only one attack away from catastrophe. And annoyingly, we couldn't even hold on for the point in that one. Obviously, their equaliser are a bit fortunate. If Lockyer doesn't get in the way of it, someone's behind him to score anyway. So can't pin too much blame on um, Tom Lockyer. But the, the winner, I mean cracking strike but he's got to be closed down a lot quicker than that yeah well I suppose for the equaliser you, you can't really say anything about for Tom Lockyer he throws his body in the line tries to get I, I think Bell needs to do better to snuff out the the, the, the chart they didn't really have a chance at that point and he just sort of gifted it and turned a play yeah, it, was, it was the clearance wasn't it he, he, he cleared it straight into the guy and if you're going to clear it into the guy then the ball has to go dead because if it doesn't you're out of position and you're exposed, aren't you? I think he just tried to be a bit too clever and it didn't come off for him. So, um, so yeah, it was unfortunate there, but it's just a sense of shock, really, when it, when the way it went down, because they didn't really offer anything that suggested they could do that. Um, yeah, got to hand it to the, the fellow Asgard, a great strike to win it. Nobody really closed him down, which is a bit disappointing. Um, but yeah, it's just, just a sense of shock because Luton, they dominated the game and again, like the Sheffield United one, couldn't get the, the second goal and, and push on and as much as they tried. And then and then that happens. It's just a, it's massively deflating, really, isn't it? After the result in Cardiff. Um, and uh, yeah, I suppose people, people look at it that they're a team that's just come up and Luton this thing about Luton should be beating them, which obviously Jones has, has spoken about. Um, and again, today, as we record, we did a press conference with him earlier, clarified what he was saying. But, um, you know, I they think, were... so I was going to say, the, the one thing that amazed me about that game, James, sorry, was the fact that Wigan had one shot on target and scored twice. It's amazing, isn't it? There's, there's just a lot of things that sort of go in against Luton at the moment. If it ain't the referee... Having a howler, yeah. uh, then it's it's stats like that really. But it, you know, it, you, you can't complain because they've made the most of those two chances, uh, and one of them wasn't yeah. a shot on target. And Luton haven't. So at the end of the day, it's not. It, it's it's more to do with Luton's profligacy in front of goal at that stage, and than, than it was to be anything else really. But but to be honest with you, I I couldn't understand or see any logic in, in, in why uh, he changed the, the whole midfield three. I thought yeah, that was the basic problem. I thought all of the substitutions started and then we just faded and faded and faded and that was the end result. I mean, we couldn't even blame the referee in that game, could we? Because actually he done us a favour because he missed a complete stonewall penalty. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. For Again, them as what I was saying about, when, about the, the in, officials. Right? But I mean, when 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 he changed all three, they, they, they were fading. But when when he changed them as well, we totally lost our shape. Yeah, we we we, 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 we were we were bombing forward, and we were 
we lost our shape and we lost our discipline and we let them put, and that's why, you know, Asgard, he, he had that space on the left. Yeah, I think Bree intimated it in the uh, interview after the game, didn't he, that a lot of people yeah. weren't really sure of their roles after all the substitutions. And it, it, you could tell, I mean, the, the, the sort of, um, the word was that we went to win the game, but there weren't really many substitutions there that they're all like for like. But, but looking on the positive side with it, Kev, uh, and you've got to say this about Jones. When he makes a mistake, he does learn from it. Yeah. You know, so that's the positive thing. And I, I can't see him making that mistake again. No, I think the other I think the other positive as well is I think that hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, is the final nail in the coffin of this idea that Woodrow's number ten when he's played much yeah, better as, a, as, that, as yeah. a support striker. I mean, there's no harm in him dropping deep to, to link the play as a striker, but I'm not sure he's number yeah. 10. No, I agree. And also, for all of those substitutions, didn't feel like they worked. If Cameron Jerome stays on side, we, we score in the dying minutes and we get a draw out of the game, which would have been the least that I think we deserved over on the balance of it. And that's something he's got to seriously work on because considering he's on the pitch for as little amount of time as he is, he is offside way too much when the ball comes forward and um, ultimately has already cost us a goal. Um, following game from that was Stoke away, which we didn't get to go to, which I can't say I was too disappointed about. Um, it led to the next game being Coventry at home. It's kind of a bit of a weird mood around the ground, obviously, with the... Um, minute silence the national anthem and everything before the game but my god what a start to the game um Cameron Morris uh, Cameron Colton Morris um brilliant opening goal um was it Fred was it Harry with the assist I don't know he I don't know how they give these assists to but one thing was for sure if the goalkeeper had got both of his hands his body and everything else in the way it still weren't staying out out the back of the net no, it seared through that goalkeeper's hands like a thousand suns. It was that hard, that shot. It was a, no, some, it was some start. But let's be honest, Luton should have been 1 0 behind at that point because of Victor Gurkarez showing a clean periods to Sonny Bradley. And he, it wasn't the first time, obviously, because then he did it to to Dan Potts, which was very worrying because they both thought they were running in treacle. He even gave Potts like a 10-yard head start and still rounded him and ended up 10 yards in front of him. So, I mean, you can't defend Potts for that, but what a pass that was, by the way. I mean, that's not a championship pass, that through ball. Outside of the right foot, 70-odd yards, straight into the path of his striker. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, good. I mean, it was a rip roar in the first half. It could have been any any sort of score, six all maybe. <laughs> like, uh, it was that it was that end to end and exciting. But um, you know, it got, you know taking the lead, should have gone behind, take the lead, draw level, and then go ahead again. And it, it was one of those where you at that point, though though Coventry did look dangerous. Um, and Luton's defence looked seriously wobbly. Um, you fancied there'd be to be more goals for Luton in it, and obviously they never went and got them. And um, and that was the end of that in terms of the goal scoring. It was almost identical to the Sheffield United game zone in that we dominated the play. We had chance after chance after chance. We didn't get a second goal in terms of a two-goal lead. And another world is finished up in the back of our net. And I suppose if you keep inviting people like Hamer to shoot, eventually he's going to find his range because he had a couple in the first half that just went over the bar. You know, we've got to put these teams away. 
Yeah, and we've got to close uh, their players down a lot quicker as well. I mean, when you look at that, I mean, that whole game, Horvath didn't have that much to do, did he? You I don't know, think he's and, had much to do all season, has he, really? That's the annoying no. thing about it. So he, 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 and when he's been tested, he has pulled off uh, some good saves. But again, it, it, it disappointing in terms of um, the result. But again, it, it, it was a positive display. We looked good. A thoroughly entertaining game. So, um, you know, I, I, I think in general, the... It's our home form because we're not picking up enough points at home. That's why when draws like that, that's when they become disappointment, isn't it? Yeah. So, but it's not like we're we're being outclassed on the pitch or we're struggling or you know. Um, we're performing, and that's the main thing. But I still looking at that. I think then. It, it's just shown us that our best back three has got to be Burke, Lockyer and Potts. Yeah, I was going to um, come on to that in a minute. I mean, James, you've mentioned yeah. that um, the previous home game against Wigan should be the end of Woodrow in a number 10. Surely, surely, yeah. surely that Coventry game is all the indication that you need that our defence has to be, at the moment, Potts, um, Lockyer and Burke. Well, I think so. I mean, every time that Bradley and Potts have played in the team this season together, they've not won a they've not won a game yet. I think it has to be either or. And really, apart from that howler against Coventry, um, you know, Potts has really stood up this season and, and played really well. Um, Lockyer is the defender's defender, out and out. I think we spoke about it in our last podcast that how he's not in the side is is untrue, and I think he has to stay there now. He's also you know, he's he's playing for his his World Cup places, aren't he? What more incentive do you need for somebody to you know, strain every last sinew? Well, I mean, if you watched England over the last week, it'll be straining <laughs> even more than the last. <laughs> wouldn't it? Who want a piece yeah. of that action? <laughs> yeah, well, so so does Joe Morrell, doesn't he? He fancies it. But yeah, he's comment mm-hmm. recently about um, he's not wrong, but you know, um, <laughs> I'm Burke is Burke is the you know he's he's the border in that defence and he's absolutely wonderful defender athletic gets forwards sometimes he's on the wing he's crossing balls or you know he's getting back and he's he's the man that you know with the ball at his feet he's probably taken as much of the mantle from Calnay Smith as there's possibly to take I mean they're not the same player obviously but. Um, what what a player Burke is! I mean, he, for me, he's, him and Tom Lock have to be in, and then it's you know, one one other. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I've made it pretty clear yeah. on this podcast, your website, and anyone else who wants to listen, how much I rate Burke. Uh, Tony, you mentioned that Horvath didn't have a lot to do in that Coventry game. In fact, the best save of that after of that evening came from the Coventry defender. Now, how in God's name can a referee look straight at that and give anything other than a penalty? I know. I I just it baffles me, and I, again, it goes back to my point about the standard of uh, of the officials. But I, I maybe the referee had said before the game that it's okay. We're playing rush goalkeeper tonight, lads. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it was just absolutely incredible, and it, it's not like he didn't have a good view of it as well. You could see all the angles we looked at. He, he, he went down with both hands. Yeah. And and he, he 
he kept it out. I mean, I think the keeper would have saved it anyway, to be honest with you. Um, but it was a clear penalty. You know, how he didn't give that, I just, I, I, it just baffles me, Kev. I, it, you know, I just... You I, won't uh, get a penalty, <laughs> you won't get a penalty more obvious than that because the only other thing it can hit is the bloke's head and if a shot like that hit the bloke's head, he'd be rolling around for half an hour. So, And he wasn't. He yeah. was straight up sheepish because he knew what was coming or what he thought was coming. And, um, I mean... I, he couldn't believe it. And, and a, a general... Uh, good thing to look for is the reaction of the players around which should have told the, the referee something they all jumped up and they were all appealing for it. it wasn't just one or two all of them and you could see by the looks on the Coventry players faces they were looking at God it's a penalty yeah, I, just, I would love to have been a fly on the wall when the assessor gave that referee his opinion I really would have I he don't, don't think they were needed. Oh, yeah, but it was the, the decision was made before that game. Before but, that game, you know, yeah. It's it's a yeah. it's a nice little bit of symbolism of what his performance deserved. But you know, you know, you mentioned about you'd like to be a fly on the wall. I, I think there's a case to say if you're not going to give this division the technology that the Premier League has to look at these sorts of things, that but, but but technology does exist that. Um, that we could, and even if it's not in the game, we could probably hear like the audio of the linesman and the referee speaking to each other post-match to see what they're up about. There's a veil of secrecy over it all of it. They're so frustrating. Not even the managers can get to really talk to them. They sort of hide away in their dressing rooms. And it, it transpired from what Jones said after the game, that you can't even go in there and show them a video. You can show them a still at best. Um, it's yeah, just baffling. It, it, it's, it's really baffling. I mean, uh, I, you, know, I, you know, you know, there's an argument for and against miking up refs, and that's probably a debate, debate for another day. But they are speaking to each other. They've got yeah. you know audio equipment and mics and stuff to speak to each other. Why can't we hear what they're saying afterwards? And they just and then if they if the referees were just a bit more transparent, and said, "Listen, this is what we said. We didn't see it at the time. We really got it wrong." afterwards then people would have a lot more respect for him yeah, the other I'm, side I'm, of it of course as well is if, if the um, the managers or players they get frustrated they get overheated about it and if they make any comments they get charged with bringing the game into disrepute and uh, I don't I, I just don't think the officials are made answerable enough to be honest no, I, I don't really think don't. they're accountable enough either. I mean, I don't expect every single decision on the football field to no. be wrong. I, I don't expect that. But the job of these officials is to make the big decisions right. And the biggest decision is that decision. And he couldn't have got it any more wrong if he tried. And I mean, you know. But there's two all... linos on the pitch. And even if the lino on that side of the pitch, on, on that half of the pitch, sorry, who would have been on the other side, I think. He'd have been um, down by the main stand, wouldn't he? Yeah. So he'd have had his, Even if his view was obscured, him, yeah. the other lino must have a better sight from it, even though it's far away. And you don't have to have a telescope to see that some defender has saved the ball with both hands. It's just why are they not talking to each other? It's beyond Or me. even the fourth I, official, who presumably would have been standing right next to Nathan and probably wishing quite quickly that he wasn't standing next to Nathan. But Nathan saw it 
plain as day as everyone yeah. else did. The fourth official has got no excuse. He should be looking straight at that. Just tell. Just well, tell even, the guy even Mark up. Robbins came out and said it was a clear penalty. Yeah, yeah. he said they got away it with was, it. It was so obvious. He, 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 yeah, I mean, there's precedent for the fourth official, though. If you remember when Middlesbrough, the yeah. Middlesbrough last season, when they pestered the fourth official, and I'm pretty sure, even though we're still, it's still conjecture. We don't know because there's no transparency about it. They never speak about it about what happened. But I'm pretty sure that it was the fourth official that said to the referee, "But have a look at that." And also the Bournemouth um, game when we scored the second goal and was off celebrating, and they clearly saw it on their iPad and got the fourth official to go and talk to the linesman in that mm. game. So the fourth official isn't just standing there to hold the board up. He is genuinely there to help officiate the game from the sideline. Uh, how four of them, three of them, if you if you take out the liner down the main stand side, who would have had an obscured view just based on the angle that the defender um, came in at. But three of them, professional referees and officials, how they're missing that. Uh, you know, they, they need more of a punishment than just going down to League Two because League Two football is just as important as championships and the two teams that he was refereeing. That wasn't good enough in any way, shape I, or form. I think, I think in this day and age, Kev, I think that there's too much um, with referees. They they speak to their assistants before the game and they give them their instructions. And I'm pretty sure that most match referees tell their linesmen, I only want you to indicate the ball in and out and play or offside. I'll make all the rest of the decisions. And that's what, that you know, those assistants are not clearly just for that. They're there to advise and assist the, the referee. And if referees are given that instruction and they can't see everything, they're not going to have clear views of everything. I think it defeats the idea of having assistants, to be honest. Yeah, it does. And the, the assistant was no better in the following game against Blackburn when, you know, James uh-huh. Bree got thrown over in a headlock right in front of the uh, official, nothing doing. They they clearly kicked the ball out right in front of the linesman and got the throw in. I mean, it's pathetic. But the good thing about that Blackburn game, James, was we scored a second goal. We got a two-goal lead and hey, presto, a two-goal lead was enough to win the game. But what a second goal. Well, yeah, well, that's why we talk about uh, Reese Burke in the way we do because he can defend, but he's he strode up the pitch there past three defenders and pinged it in with his weaker foot from twenty yards. It was an unbelievable strike, and yeah, that really settled the nerves. Then I think that it, it didn't it didn't even feel like Blackburn were going to come back from that at all, and they didn't really have a chance apart from that sort of one one chance that got cleared off the line from. Brewer and Diaz in the first half. They didn't really have a sniffing. Loads of possession, but it was all played around the back and um, it was fairly comfortable um, for for Luton. Uh, but, you know, Morris getting on the on the score sheet again, um, six in six is, is pretty good. He's scoring uh, quite a lot at home. Uh, and that was, I think that was just, that was the first one that um, at the uh, Kenny, Kenny end, isn't it? Wasn't it? And um, our first, so, second yeah, half yeah, goal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he, I know we're going to speak about him, but he's 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 an absolute animal. He's phenomenal. Really, he's doing. He score. He can score aerially. Score with both feet. He can go past players. He can nip in at the front post. He's, he holds the ball up. He bullies people. He's, well, he's what a player! And he, yeah. you know, he combines well with Harry Cornick. When Cornick was on in the yeah, yeah. game. Well, he you know, combined well with, look, um, 
Woodrow as well, I thought, in the in that yeah. Blackburn game. And I, I don't think that him and Adebayo have been a terrible partnership, to be honest. But and, and Adebayo's been getting in the right positions to score goals. It's just he hasn't so far, so that gets highlighted a bit more, doesn't it? But um, you know, it's it, it's telling that, that that Jones has been very clear that he needs to find a partnership for Morris. He's the man now. Well, Morris is clear that Adebayo is the partner for him, isn't he? I asked him straight and he told me straight during the podcast that I did with him uh, last month. Very, very good talker, um, Carl Morris. I'm delighted that he's um, going really well. You're right. Blackburn were very toothless in that game. Burke shut Brereton Diaz down and there was nothing else um, Nothing else doing in that game. The, the only chance that he got was when Horvath was so slow off his line. Brereton Diaz did get through because I think Bree was right in saying that that was the keeper's ball. Thankfully, Dan Potts was on the uh, on the goal line to um, snuff out the chance that smuggled its way through him. But um, the big difference in that game, Tony, was Henry Lansbury um, started for the first time. And for the first time oh. this season, you kind of got the feeling that no team was going to go through the middle of us. If they were going to get a goal, they were going to have to go down the sides. And generally, we're OK when teams go down the sides because obviously we've got three defenders to head any cross away. Yeah. Um, that that's uh, what I took from it. I mean, Lansbury had a great game, he had a great game, and uh, he did fill up that that hole. So they didn't look as threatening. And you're right in what you said about Blackburn having all the possession. Fine, but they did nothing with it. They didn't pose us any real serious threat. And um, I'm so pleased for Carlton Morris as well. You know, he's banging the goals in and he, he you can see now why we paid so much money for him. You know, yeah, club it, records. Yeah. You know, club records. One and a half, I would have thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's one of those that he'll have to tick off a lot of boxes before um, it gets to that fee. But even so, the way he's going, whatever the boxes are, he's certainly ticking them, isn't he? That is... Um, that is for sure. Uh, yeah, Blackburn, very, very disappointing. And even the chance late on, I think they're still flying somewhere near Dunstable, isn't it? Um, he, was clean, <laughs> he, he, he was he was clean for a one goal, boy. Never even threatened. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be another one of those, you know, last gasp equalisers and it's going to be another draw. But hopefully now we've got the monkey off our back now. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just annoying, isn't it? The international yeah. break came just at the time where we were just really building up head of steam. But Hopefully, um, hopefully we can pick up where we left off. We'll come on to that in part two. Okay, let's get the thoughts from inside the camp. Um, I'm joined by town midfielder Alan Campbell, uh, Diamond Player of the Month for August. Alan, so you've obviously made a good impression at the start of the season, mate. Hi, uh, no, it's been all right. Start of the season, obviously. I think it's a team that's a couple of performances that we felt we could have maybe done better. I've got a couple of results, but we're in an international break. I think we went in a good space and. Um, we're sitting okay on the table and it's um, up. Yeah, I believe we're on the same points tally now as we were at the same um, amount of games last season. But it feels like it's been a better season than the start of last season. We just haven't quite got what we deserved. I think the performances have been decent to be fair. Just been a bit more clinical in the final third. has maybe cost us a few points along the way. But as you said, it's just still the start of the season. And it's only been a couple of months played. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of football to be played. But in terms of the positives for the games, there's a lot to take and a lot to improve. And um, I am looking forward to the rest of the season and seeing how well we can do. 
And there's obviously a number of new signings in and around you uh, in the centre of the park there. How's everyone settled in? How are you settling in with them all? Hi, everybody's been brilliant, I think. That's one thing about here. I feel that myself last year when I, I first arrived. The place is really, it's really welcoming for any new players. The staff, the fans, the players, everybody's so welcoming. And you feel as if you fit in right away. And I think you've seen that in a couple of the boys' performances. have been able just to settle in and kick right on. And um, now I'm sure they'll, they'll say themselves they felt welcomed and they feel really comfortable here. And obviously one of the reasons why you won that Diamond Player of the Month award was you're off the mark for the season in terms of goal scoring. Nice little um, cheeky finish uh, down at Cardiff. It must be good to sort of get get amongst the goals as well. Uh, it's something that I feel like I can do a lot more. Um, try to make a lot more runs in the box. Sometimes this doesn't fall your way, but um, that's one thing I've been trying to do a lot more. Make sure I'm getting up, supporting the play, try to get in the box with cutbacks, crosses, and even shots for distance. I've scored a few, so hopefully a couple more of them would be good than I just try and improve them last year. Yeah, that right foot certainly got some accuracy on it, but it was your left one, wasn't it, that you scored um, that goal at Cardiff um, with? Aye. Was it practice? Well, is it just a swinger, or is it is it something that you can do more often? Um, something I can do more often, definitely. It's just being, I don't know, just doing it more, being more positive and shooting, and taking my chances when they come. And as I said, been having that energy to make sure I make the box as well, and to get on the end of things, and just being a bit more, a bit more smart in terms of. Um, Matching my, having my runs and making sure I'm not too early or too late. It's just about football knowledge as well. So now I'm getting a lot of help with the coaches as well to help me improve and hopefully I can get a few more. And that Diamond Player of the Month, uh, uh, another award to go along with all the many that you scooped last season. Is your mantelpiece getting filled up yet? <laughs> I've got a few awards, but nah, it's, it's always an honour to get to get nominated and, and to win any award, obviously to be voted by the fans and um, it means a lot the fans have been brilliant for me since I've came down they've really really took to me and I've, I've just tried to when I go in the park just give my all for them make sure even if it's not my best day that I'm still running my heart out give my all for the fans and now I'm glad they've, they've taken to me and there's obviously a song now I don't know if you hear it during the games but the um, Wigfield song Saturday night's been modified to uh, to the name of you, of yourself. That must be a boost, mustn't it? When uh, particularly sort of away from home, when you just hear Luton fans popping up singing your name. I definitely. I think at any club you are, it's always nice to feel like you're appreciated and fans get right behind you and and know that you're putting in the performances and you're getting and getting the rewards. Obviously, and now any football players would say they would love to get their name chanted for the fans. So you know, I love it. I love when I hear it. And, the boys have a laugh and saying in the change rooms and that so that's no, uh, it's nice to hear they're all singing the original version on a Saturday night don't worry about that um, <laughs> I've got you on the podcast because hopefully on Friday night you're going to be playing your 50th game for Luton Town such an occasion that the TV cameras are turning up and quite rightly so uh, how would you reflect on uh, on the opening 49 as a whole um, it's been been brilliant to be honest obviously started we got slow picked up an injury and kind of settling in as well was hard at first but um, I think that as I said at the start of the start of the interview that the fans and the club are brilliant for you helping me settle in and I felt as if once I got that once I got my place sorted I felt as if I could I felt at home really and I could kick on and I think the group we had last year and the, the season we had was just was just brilliant obviously you couldn't have put it in the words and um, I'm just hopeful that I can in the next 49-50 games that we can get into that Premier League and do that one step further than last year. 
But as a whole, I feel as if I've been getting better. My performances, I think, have been getting better. And hopefully I can keep keep putting them in and helping this team strive for better. Any standout memories from those opening 49 games? Um, Probably the moment we got into the playoffs. I think you worked hard all season, all the ups and downs. The amount of chances you get before it, we could have clinched it, but we didn't. And then and that last game, obviously, just the whole emotion and how hard you work and the staff and the fans, just that whole build-up to that game was, was brilliant. Also, it was a bit of a disappointment that we, we didn't get into the finals, but no, that's probably one of the games that I'll, I'll remember. You, you mentioned that you've improved over the course of those 49 games. I think, you know, you can see it. We can see it um, whenever we turn up. You know, every single performance that you put in is 100% energy, 100% commitment. And I guess it's just a, a case that from start to now, you've just settled in and, and you're you're a real sort of senior member of the squad now in terms of playing every game. I obviously have been thankful enough. The manager's played me a lot of times and I've been able to go out there. And as you said, I think that's just the manager expects you to, to give your all in the park. Um, and now, obviously, playing a lot of games for the club, feels if I need to step up in that department as well, being a leader on there, having more of a voice, more of a voice about the, the changing room, about the pitch. And I've really been been a leader out there, especially if Sonny's, Sonny's been into the past couple of times and just been one of the boys to step up and um, I'd be a leader. So hopefully I can get better at that. I think that's something that I can improve in my game. Um, and... Hopefully, I can keep striving for that. I mean, if there's still improvements to come, uh, the rest of the division are better watch out because the current version's pretty damn good, that is for sure. Uh, we had you on the podcast last season and I asked you about international football. Uh, obviously, since then, you've um, earned your first international cap. Congratulations for that. I've absolutely no idea why I'm talking to you today and you're not preparing for a game tomorrow night, but that's by the by. How was the experience of making your international debut? Um, it was... Honestly, it was unbelievable. Obviously, the way the season ended was so disappointing. Um, my head just kind of all over the place, just gutted because you put so much into it and just fell um, at a, almost the last hurdle. So that was disappointing. But to get that call up just made the season as a whole brilliant for me, coming down first year and blowing away from home down south in the championship and having the impact I did on the team and um, to have that rewarded by getting that first call up was, was something that you could you could only dream of really and um, it was such an honour to, to one get into the, the camp and then obviously to make an appearance even though it was 10 minutes or something but um, it's something that I'll, that I'll remember and nobody can take away from me but as you said once you get one it's try to get another so now my focus is just try to keep doing well here putting the performances in like I did last year and hopefully the manager will come forward again and I'll get in that squad again yeah, um, to be fair, they've done well uh, in the last week or so, haven't they, with a couple of wins. And um, unfortunately, from an Englishman's point of view, look like they're going to replace us in the uh, in the Nations League. But I'm sure more caps will come your way. Uh, I know for England, they usually get a sort of a legendary player to hand out the first caps. Did they do that with Scotland? Did someone special give you your cap? No, I was a hangers because of the time of the year it was, really. Um, but when I was all away for the appearance I made when I got home, I... I've got the cap given to me, so I am going to get that framed and you know, along with my top and get it up on the wall in my, my parents' house. So that's no, a, real, a real proud moment for, for me and my family, definitely. And definitely us as a football club, because obviously it shows where we are as a club that uh, 
guys like yourself, Amari, uh, obviously Ethan's joined since then and is on an international duty this week as well, that we're attracting international managers to, to look at how well our players are playing. Definitely. I think if you see the performances over the course of this season and last season, the boys that have been playing, they've been, been brilliant and fighting against top players and I don't see why not. We can't be challenging to be playing for, the, for our national team. So hopefully the more people getting called up, that just makes more of a buzz about the place and, and it's good for the team as well. People with that confidence that they're playing well, getting called up and it just carries on for the rest of the season. So hopefully there's a, a few more boys get get that chance to get called up. And obviously you played alongside some sort of um, Premier League regulars while she was with Scotland. Uh, what was it like to sort of train with the likes of John McGinn, Scott, Mc, Scott McTominay, etc.? Brian, um, I think if you know people know me, I like to challenge myself against the best. So um, now I would rarely go first training session, try to get amongst it, kick some people's ankles, get tackles in, um, try and impress really. And you can only learn for these players, and that's that's how you get better as a as a player yourself is playing against the best and um, taking wee bits for them. Maybe sometimes they do try and put it in your game, but that was a great experience, and it just makes you want to to be up there regular playing with these type of players, playing against them, and. Glad you mentioned snapping people's ankles in training because every single game I feel sorry for the opposition because you just right at their ankles all the time and it's uh, it's great to watch actually it it really is you I've said it many a time it's tiring watching you so how it is being you playing in them games it's uh, it's quite crazy. That's just part and parcel of my game. I like to to kind of be everywhere really. I've always been like that since I was younger, just up and down everywhere on the park. Um, getting stuck in and then getting on the ball trying to make things happen and I just carried that on I'm the same in training as I'm in games so some of the teammates might not, might not enjoy it after training a couple of, couple of tackles and that but no, it's, so I get better on it to try and do that in training so I can take it in a game so I won't change No, definitely don't do that that is for sure uh, If I could just ask you about a couple of your teammates who are in absolutely fine form at the moment we'll start with Carlton Morris who's obviously coming to the club Settled down like house on fire. We had him on the podcast last month and he can't stop scoring now. Um, must be great to know that you just give him the ball either in the air or on the ground and nine times out of ten it's going to end up in the back of the net. I definitely. It's been brilliant for him to set one. Um, I think he's got a couple of mates here as well anyway. So coming around was kind of easy for him to set one. Um, obviously on the park he's brilliant to play with. Um, he's got so many attributes that can help the team and I'm glad he's on this run scoring goals and it's helping us. And hopefully we can keep continuing that and we can keep scoring goals because, as you said, it's goals win games in it. So when a big man's are scoring, um, we're all buzzing. So hopefully that he can keep that run going. And now he's a brilliant guy, so we're glad to have him here. And your partner alongside you in midfield, Jordan Clark, he's just he's so down to earth and he just gets on with the job like yourself. Uh, the two of you must be an absolute pain in the ass to play against. Nah, Clucker's been brilliant for me. Clucker was brilliant for when I came in as well. Um, him and Naisley were probably one of the first players I got closest to. And, um, nah, I love when I was like Clucker. I think he would probably say the same with me. Both of us like to, to work hard and we really back each other up and um, keep that energy in the midfield. So anytime I get to play with him, I love it. And, nah, he's been brilliant. He started the season really well and hopefully he can kick on as well as get into the free and keep putting the performances in like he has been. 
And in that last game prior to the international break, we finally got that first home win, didn't we? It was always going to come, wasn't it? We dominated the three games at home before it. But it must have felt good just to, you know, if there was a monkey on the back, just to get rid of it. I definitely, I think the games we played previous, we felt as if we should have won them. As I said before, um, at the start of the, the podcast, that it's just been that clinical edge with got us a few more points along the way. But I think to to get that result, to get that first one, it's just that's it done now. Now we can kick on, make sure we make home a fortress like we did last year. Not many teams like coming to, to the Kenny and playing. Um, and I think we need to obviously back that up as well with the performances and the results. So hopefully now that we've got that one out of the way, that we can kick on and make sure we start picking up more points at home. And that goal was capped off by a bit of a what? Sorry, that game was capped off by a bit of a wonder goal from Reese Burke. Did you have a good view of it as it left his foot? I uh, well, I kind of made a run inside. I think he was going to play me in, and he cut inside his left foot and and curled it in the in the corner. So, nah, I'm delighted for Bucky. Bucky's a great guy. He's a great player, and um, I'm glad he chipped in where pulled it. Obviously, coming his left foot inside the box. Uh, it was a great finish, and I still the victory there. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice. Uh, any anxiety that was sort of coming about in the in in the crowd because of previous games certainly went with that. Let's look ahead to Friday night. Then uh, it's always weird to play football on a Friday night. It should be, we should be playing on the Saturday, but it is Friday night. Hull away. We had a good win up there last season uh, when we won three one. Um, James Bree's free kick being the the headline of that game, but I'm guessing you know it's going to be a tough game, isn't it? Just because they've dropped down from where they were at the start of the season doesn't mean it's going to be any less tough of a game. No, it's one thing you learn about the championship. Anybody can beat anybody on the day, so um, we'll be prepared for it the same as we have been. We'll have a structure and a a way that we're going to play to make sure we win the game. And I'm sure if we turn up and like we have been this season then I'm sure we'll have no problems in, in coming back with the three points and really kicking on again It's a pretty busy week when we come back isn't it I mean, it's a busy month when we come back really but particularly that first week because we're at home to Huddersfield and away to West Brom when these games keep on coming thick and fast as a guy who's 100% energy and everything like that how easy is it to recover and go again? To be honest I'm, one thing I'm quite good at is recovering and I think I took to that quite well I like just playing games. I think once you get in the rhythm of it, it's just natural. Um, it's just a matter of play and recover, play and recover, and it's just that cycle. And once you kind of the, the people here are going to first sports scientists and nutritionists give you a lot of advice, what to do, what to eat, sleeping, and make sure that on that that game day that you're ready. And um, so I think also sometimes it takes its toll on the body, especially with injuries and that. But um, normally I'm okay and I can make sure that I'm ready for back-to-back games. So, no, I'm sure, sure the boys will be all prepared for this hectic couple of months coming up before the, before the World Cup. So, hopefully we can run it well. Yeah, I guess at least with that first week, we've got the advantage of that Friday night game. She's got an extra day to recover for the Huddersfield game, which hopefully we'll get a little bit of um, revenge, if that's the right word. Um, in that one. There's another game coming up next month um, that I'm sure all the boys are starting to slowly look forward to. The fans certainly are. Watford away. You've been here long enough now to know the rivalry between us and them. Is that the kind of game that you're um, looking forward to getting stuck into? I kind of wait for it, obviously. Any, any derby games exciting. Going a few back up, up Motherwell and it's always always exciting. Fans really get behind you and um, you just want to do, do them proud really and get a result for them. So now when that comes, it'll be it'll be a good 
a good um, a good day for me. Hopefully, I'll be excited and um, something that I've not played on yet. So now I look forward to it. And hopefully, when that game comes, we can give the fans something to cheer about. I'm sure you will do. Uh, and nice little one of those 25 yarders in the in the top corner from yourself would be uh, absolutely great. That would be nice, would not? It would be absolutely fantastic. Um, we made the playoffs last season, which was absolutely fantastic. And I think slightly out of the blue from um, the progression that the club has made. Is that the aim this season or are we aiming for even higher than that? I think as a club, you think we could get higher. But the main thing is to make sure that you're on a wrong start when it comes to that time. Make sure that you take it step by step, get the points in. And also that's the goal, the dream is to get to the Premier League. And you get so close last year, it gives you that that motivation and that push to to get that one step further. And um, that's that is the goal for the the club is to get to that next level. As the club's always been built and getting better and better and better. As you've seen over the past how many years, there's just that been progression of the club going up the leagues, up the leagues. And we got so close last year. It's um, unless you want more. So hopefully that can put the performances in that I know we, we can. And the players that the managers brought in and the way we're playing, that we can be a match for anybody. So hopefully when it comes to, to May time, we're in amongst it and even pushing for the automatics or for the playoffs again. Yeah, that last the way last season ended, is it kind of fuel for this season? You know, do you remember those kind of how much it hurt at the end of last season and, and use that as motivation for this season? Um, I think I a wee bit to be fair, after the game you you're hot on and you just want to to use that again, but I think having that experience really helps as well. You've been in that, there's situations, not a panic, obviously with the league as well. It goes right to the last game, doesn't it? So um, it's just making sure every point matters in this league. So it's just taking each game as it comes, as cliche as that might sound, um, every point matters. And uh, for me, obviously, getting so close, you want that, that next one. So hopefully we can get it this year. Yeah, it's been a great start to the season. As we said right at the start, we probably haven't got quite what we've deserved, but these things tend to even themselves out as the course of the season goes on. So I've no doubt that you and the boys will all be in and around that top six uh, when it matters, hopefully even higher than that, pushing for automatic promotion. I'm not going to take up any more of your time, Al. Really, really appreciate you giving me some of your time this afternoon. All the best. Enjoy your 50th appearance on Friday night. It is well-deserved. We can't wait to, um, to watch it. And... 50, 100, 150 and however many more there are to come after it. No, cheers, thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Um, hopefully get a result for the fans and Friday. Excellent. All the best, mate. Take care. Yeah, thank you. It's always good to get the views of someone from inside the camp. I really appreciate Alan giving me some of his time earlier this week. Uh, but we move on, though, to our player focuses. And the first one this month is Town's informed striker, Carlton Morris. Tony, you've been around a while as a Luke fan. Is there a striker he reminds you of? Because he's got the lot, this bloke. He's got the lot. Yeah, actually. You know, I hadn't really thought about that before, Kev. But, do you know, the way he plays, his ability in the air and on the deck, he reminds me of Steve Howard. He puts himself about. He gets on the end of crosses. Uh, he can hold the ball up really well. And he, he brings other players into the game as well to back him up. And I think that's the closest... Um, player I can think of and it, 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 it he's the sort of thing we've been crying out for a player f- like that for a, for the past couple of seasons and um, I, I think he slotted in well it, it took him a little while to 
to get in and, and start looking the part. But you know from his performances last season, he was a good player. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, I can see him, you know, getting 20 to 25 goals this season if he carries on in this vein. I mean, he's going to have a lean spell at some point. But hopefully, when that comes, we'll have uh, Elijah firing yeah, exactly. on all cylinders, hopefully, then. But, and, and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were, we, we were thinking, oh, more than a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking we, we're supposed to have this much vaunted strike force, you know, with these four quality strikers, and it wasn't looking like that. But now, you know, one of them's firing. Cornick's come back in, uh, and in the game he played, he looked really effective and looked really good. And uh, Woodrow looked good alongside uh, Carlton. I think, you know, Elijah and, and, and Cooley, they need a goal. That's all they do. They, they need a goal each and then they'll be away. What do you make of him, James? He's an absolute animal. <laughs> it's wonderful to watch. Oh, he's a nice bloke as well, isn't he? He's one of these. He's kind of like his manager, completely well, opposite on the pitch. Ja- ja- James calling him an animal, that's great. I've never heard Carlton say a bad word about James. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Not I, I to mean, his face, anyway. Listen, anim- animal in the best type of... Uh, best sense of the word, in, in the sense that you want him on your team, not another team, because... I've never seen a. I haven't seen a player for a very long time in shirt as a striker that is totally unshakable off the ball. Defenders can't get round him; they can't muck him off the ball. There was one point in, um, I think it was the Coventry game, where he just plucked the ball out of the sky on his uh, on his foot and, and turned in the same movement and left three players sort of looking at their shadows going, what the bloody hell has just happened here? And that was in his own half. And then he's up the pitch. And so he, he, he can hold up the play, he can hold off defenders. Yeah, he's got a great turn of pace. He can go past people. Got a little bit of trick, as you saw, um, that, that goal in Wales he scored. Head, he, he's wonderful in the air. He's going to absolutely thrive off the aerial deliveries of, of James Bree, as Tony said earlier. Um, but he's so, it's just, he's very lethal as well. He doesn't need that many chances to stick him in. And I mean, everything he's hitting so far really is, is finding the back of the net or, you know, at least going on target. And that's what you need, you know, to, to be a bit more clinical. And there were so many chances, obviously, last season that sort of came and went, um, even though Elijah have, had a very good season that, that's one of the aspects I think where he can probably improve, and and he's he's showing that form. But um, yeah, what just just yeah, however much they paid for him, even if it was the penny over their um, record fee, then it's 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 well worth it already. And I think yeah, you, with with six and six, he's, he's probably well on course to to be hitting twenty at least. I think this season, if you can do that, then. Luton might find it hard to keep him, but he'll go for a hell of a lot of money. That's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he will, James, as well. He, he's, um, you're right. He, he, animal and beast are probably the best way to describe him. And I mean, I, I, I said he reminds me of Steve Howard, which he does. But also, you can see similarities between him and. Um, do you know what? <laughs> My mind's gone blank. <laughs> Joyce Who was the guy we sold to, uh, to Birmingham? 
that we got from Plymouth and, and, and went. I mean, mind has gone I, blank. Isaac, Isaac Bissell. That's the one. Yeah. Isaac Bissell. Yeah. He, he, he's got that about him because Bissell had that, didn't he? he? He could hold players off. He was good in the air. And perhaps Bissell was a little bit quicker than Morris. But although Morris is no slouch. Yeah, I think probably Vassell was, but he wasn't as good a finisher. Um, no, that, no. That, that's no. for sure. Um, but yeah, he, he's in that mould. He's probably got he's probably got bags more pace than Steve Howard has, but or had. But you know, if you, even if you, even if that is the comparison, you're comparing it with Steve Howard and what he did for Luton in the Championship last time they were there, then then that is the that is one hell of a benchmark, isn't it? So. Um, yeah, it's just, it's thrilling to watch and, and to think that he's probably still he, he settled in. Less, there's no no two bones about that, but he's probably got a load more to come as well. Um, you know, he's scoring the majority of the goals. So when the other other players start scoring as well, other strikers start scoring as well, then. That that will make a huge difference, or or even if not, like you said in that podcast with you, Kev. If even if Elijah's not scoring, he's scaring the life out of other defenders, and that gives Morris more space and more time to to do his work and stuff. So uh, it's it's turning out really well at the moment, and you know the lad's just on fire. You know, six, six and so what, six. Out, and, out of what you've You've seen James out, out, you know, of uh, Morris. Who do you think he's looked best up front with? I know he he he, he said he, he he his chosen partner would be Elijah, but who do you think he's looked best up front with? Well, in terms of effectiveness, it's got to be Harry Cornick. But we've only really seen forty-five minutes of that. But they linked up. I mean, the the pass from Cornick uh, to Morris for that goal um, against Coventry what a pass that was and obviously he was involved in the goal the first goal as well um, even if it came off Fred's knee or something and landed landed in his path but yeah, the link up play was there I think their mates as well were off the pitch so sometimes that helps doesn't it but um, that was good but him and Corley Woodrow was really effective in the in the Blackburn game and like I said earlier the podcast I don't I don't think that him and um, Elijah is a partnership that doesn't work. It's just amplified more by the fact that uh, Adebayo has not scored a goal yet. Um, you know, the, when it does, when that clicks, and hopefully they're both clicking at the same time, they're going to be scary if they're both on the pitch together. I think. I think the thing when Elijah is alongside him, Elijah attracts so many more of the defenders. So Morris has so much more freedom to do his thing. It kind of creates space. And the same when Harry's alongside him. Harry can go deep, so the defence will automatically drop back onto the edge of their own box. And Morris is very clever getting in behind the midfield and the defence, isn't he, and picking the ball up and, and running with it. Kind of like that goal at um, Swansea, so uh, at Swansea, where you know he, he picked the pass up on the last defender and went. I think those... T- but then he's played alongside Woodrow at Barnsley for, what, season, two seasons, and had success there. So... Three great options. I don't think there's a wrong answer, really, is there? And that's the beauty of it, because he's such a good player, Morris. Uh, well, I think the, the, the right answer is it's got to be Morris and someone else. And then um, it's up to everyone else to take their chance and and prove it. And the fact that there's competition as well is going to be good, because 
you know, we saw at the end of last season when Elijah hit a lean spell and um, and then obviously got injured. It, it blew them pretty toothless, weren't they? Obviously, that was that's what's part of the reason behind going and splashing the cash on someone like Morris, but also bringing in Woodrow. Um, so uh, they, they, they've recognised you know, those sort of deficiencies from last season and, uh, and added to them. <clears throat> you know, we've still not seen the best of most of them yet, so that's a real positive. But you've seen flashes, I think, is the key thing. You've seen glimpses of what they can do. And, uh, yeah, it, it was a shame that the international break come along because they started to purr in that game against Blackburn. And um, I think that can only be a good thing. He's just a cracking player, um, Carlton Morris. And uh, as I say, he was a joy to talk to when we did that podcast with him uh, last month. And I hope he continues to have all of the success that he's having for the rest of the season. Um, OK, let's do a second player focus for this month then. And that comes on the man that I think we have to build the defence around, the guy who's definitely the middleman nailed on for me. And that's Tom Lockyer. And I think that because he's slightly quicker than Bradley, uh, which means he can cover for Potts, should Potts just be having one of those kind of iffy days and also he's right footed so he can slot in if Burke goes forward and there's not a gaping huge hole for me James it's Lockyer in the middle of that defence and you just build it around him I can't, I cannot believe three weeks later that he did not play in that Coventry game and I cannot believe he sat on the bench for the 90 minutes after all that was going on in that game which just made no sense to me whatsoever well yeah I think I think that game has showed that it needs to be luckier because uh, that, the two howlers were just, that was schoolboy stuff, really. And, um, you know, Bradley looked very rusty. He's obviously had some time out, some compassionate leave, and I hope he's okay and I hope his family's all right. Yeah, and this he, isn't a slight on Sonny Bradley no, in no, any way, no, shape not, or form, but I just think we've got to that stage, like we got with Matty Pearson two years ago, we've got to that stage now where if we're going to be a top six club in this division, the middleman, if we're kind of going to continue to play a back three, I think Lockyer has the skill set, the better skill set right now than Bradley for it. Yeah, I, I think so. <clears throat> um, I know Bradley's got the leadership aspect. He's obviously the club captain, and and that obviously counts for a lot. But you know, he was <clears throat> he was really rusty in that game, and then things didn't work. And you've got to give credit. To, to Jones to for recognising that and changing that. I think he he said that Lockyer was really hard done by not to play in that game. And I think as as with most players now, especially in this squad that they've got where there are there is competition for places, if anybody does have a game like that and, and has a bit of a howler, then you have to probably replace them and give them a bit of a break and, and let someone else come in. And Lockyer really Hadn't, hadn't done anything wrong, um, really. You can't count that Covent, uh, the Wigan equaliser against him. He was trying his best to block the thing. Um, and that's really, that's one of his best attributes as well. He's, he, he's a proper out-and-out defender. He will throw his body in the way, in the line of everything. And he's great in the air. He's pretty decent on the deck as well with the ball at his feet. Um <laughs> and he's a master of shithousery as well. well. That's what I was going to say. I think that's what really makes him stand out and what endears him to me and hopefully to everybody else is that he's a wind-up merchant and uh, you need a bit of that. He can't be 
everybody playing pretty football nicey nicely he'll stand on some toes he'll pinch people he'll have he'll be on the wind up and i think it's 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 the danny hilton effect isn't it you you want him to be a good player first and effective player first and he is but if you add that to the game as well and then he's quite funny when he gets in front of a mic as well wouldn't he that doesn't help doesn't no they comment after the newport game that um Mendes Gomez's goal was good, but not the best goal in the game. It kind of, um, you know, something up. But actually, Tony, if you go back to that Newport game, before that Newport game, Nathan said it was the opportunity for people to show him who deserved to be in the team and who don't. Well, Lockett did nothing wrong that night. And, um, you know, he played on the left-hand side of the three because Lansbury played in the middle. But if you're saying to someone, you've got to show me what you can do to force your way into the side, and then that person does it, you've then got to put him in the side. Yeah, um, totally right, Kevin. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when he was dropped for the Coventry game. I I, I really couldn't. And, uh, you know, I, I, if I'd have been Lockyer, I'd, I'd have been pretty upset about that. Um, you know, it, OK, Sonny's our captain and everything, but he was right out of form. He was awful in that game. And, and we missed, uh, you know, Tom so badly in that game. Um, for me, he's the standout defender at the club. He, he's the best player there. He's tailor-made for that central role. He reads the game brilliantly. And he brings the ball out, you know, brilliantly as well, like um, Reese Burke does as well. Um, and to me, he, he's our best defender. He should be starting every game for us in that position. You know, because... In that commentary game, you could see that they were practically strangers, that back three. That's how it looked like. It'd been the first time they played together. They weren't covering for each other. They were caught out of position. It didn't seem like anybody was talking and organising that defence. But as soon as uh, is back in, you know, we look a lot better. We do look so much better when he's in that side. Yeah, he just takes away the focal point of an attack. Most teams only come down here with one striker these days, don't they? He can take that take that man away and it just gives Potts and Burke the freedom to go and do their thing. And as I said earlier, if he, if he needs to cover in either of those positions, he's more than good enough. He's an aerial threat at the other end of the pitch as well. And like you said earlier on in the podcast, James, he's got serious motivation because, what are we, eight weeks away, from, yeah. nine weeks away from where playing England in the World Cup? He wants to be involved. Well, he's yeah, kept he's some decent centre forwards quiet this season as well. He really has, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you look, you, the fellow who scored for Ireland last night, he didn't get a sniff down at Swansea. You know, it's yeah, yeah. It, 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 it baffles me. But I mean, it's something like that, James. If he's a World Cup, I, mean, I remember we had Tom Lockyer on the podcast before the Euros last summer, and it was his dream then. But obviously, injury put paid to any chance that he had uh, towards the end of that of that season. If, if he went to the World Cup, uh, I'd be so happy for him. I've, yeah, so would I. I think he, he's, you know, if he's playing in a Luton side that's flying uh, towards the top of the championship, then they'll, they'll, they'll do well to find a better defender that they can stick in in, in the back line. Um, well, they're, presumably they're going to take five, aren't they? Teams generally take five centre-arse to these things, especially now they've got the inflated squads and things. If there's five Welsh centre-offs better than Tom Lockyer at his best, well, exactly. Than I give him credit for. I suppose the only the only thing is that those international managers see those players so very little in 
you know, on training pitches with them rather than going around grounds watching them. <clears throat> and you see with, you know, if, if I know a lot more about the England team, obviously, than the, the Welsh team, but it just seems like Southgate has a bit of myopia in certain positions where he will not look at other players. Um, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold is one case in point, doesn't he? Centre off as well, ironically. Yeah, and 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 maybe it's a little bit too late for Lockyer to be a starter, but there's absolutely no reason why he should not be in that squad and be at a World Cup. Um, you know, I'd argue that he should be a starter, but it's you know, it's it's not my choice at the end of the day. Um, but you know, I rate him. I rate him that highly, and um, if you need somebody to keep tabs or kick Harry, Harry, um, what's his bloody face? Harry Kane, quite. Harry yeah. Kane. You know, uh, yeah. If you need someone, you need him to kick him up in the air. Then maybe it's luck. Give him a go. Well, that's the thing, and also with Wales, it's not like they're winning. You know, they've mm. just been relegated from this Nations League malarkey like England have. So, OK, I know they qualified for the World Cup. They're bloody lucky to do that because they were second best in that Ukraine game all throughout the game. It's not like they're winning. So I really hope that Tom Lockie gets a run in our side, first and foremost, because we'll be a better side for it. And then I really hope that someone notices him. And the fact that we're on telly a couple of times in the next month or so will hopefully um, give them a chance to um, look at him. Hopefully he has great games. And, and hopefully he joins uh, Ethan at the World Cup. And, um, you know, obviously we won't want him to go well against England, but there's two other games that we'll hope that he has a cracking game. Cracking game in. Um, that's it for the first part of the podcast. Really, really happy with Morris and Lockyer, and we're sure they're going to do great things. Um, second part of the podcast, we will uh, have the second part of our Blast from the Past segment, where we're going to look at the fullbacks from that afternoon at Manchester City. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion around the All-Star proposal. We'll talk about the cost of living. There's a meeting, uh, an EFL meeting on Thursday uh, regarding that. Uh, we'll also have a little word about Nathan Jones's comments after the Blackburn game, which seemed to blow up on social media. And then we'll look ahead to the games to come right up till Norwich away. Uh, so join us for part two of the podcast. But for part one, that's it.